0: You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org.
1: My name is Ronnie Brakes. I'm the high school director here. Some of you have seen me. Some of you may have not. But we're usually upstairs, and we got the high school students here. Amen. Amen. Yes, yes. Thank you guys for joining us. I've never preached on a Sunday morning in any church before. So this, (laughs) oh, my goodness. You are the guinea pig. Well, first service was the guinea pig. <laughs> Anyways, let's, let's move forward. So we're going to talk about week seven in our series, Life's Healing Choices. And this week, we're going to talk about the growth choice. And I'm glad that I get to talk about this one because the growth choice is something that is uh, very dear to my heart because I wasn't raised in a Christian home or anything like that. My mom was a single mom, and she raised me and my brother by herself, and she did the absolute best she could. And she is amazing, amazing, and I love her and I have so much respect for her for that. But we weren't religious, and we didn't go to church, and we didn't really know anything about God or the Bible or anything like that. And so when I became a Christian, when I was in high school, right before I turned 16, I had to learn how to grow. And today, if you have your brochures, take them out. And we're going to talk about seven steps on how to continue growing. And so this was very, very, very dear to my heart, and so I'm glad that I get to talk about it. And I'll tell you some more of my story as we go along. Join with me on this journey. Okay, let's do it. Step one on how to continue. Before we actually get there, I have to talk about what the growth choice actually is. Oops, the growth choice is. It basically says is this is that we meet with God every single day, and when we meet with God and we encounter God, we do three things, and from those three things, we have a purpose of three things. Okay, follow me. It says that the growth choice says that I reserve daily time with God for what? For three things. Bible reading, for self-examination, and for prayer, in order that, or for the purpose of, three things. In order to know God, to know his will for my life, and to gain the power to follow that will. So we approach God, we spend our time with God every single day, this is the growth choice, and we meet God, and we read the scriptures, and we examine ourselves, and we pray. But it's with the purpose of, Knowing God, knowing the God of the universe who created us. It's also for the purpose of knowing his will for our life. But then we take it a step further from knowing those things to applying those things. And we say, God, give us the power to follow your will for our lives. All right? And so that's going to take seven steps we're going to talk about this morning. But the list isn't comprehensive. It's just seven steps. The first step is that we fix daily a time with God. Number one, fix daily a time with God. And this one was kind of hard for me because when I first got saved, my Bible study leader who was a junior in high school, he would tell me, he'd say, you need to read your Bible every day. You need to do your devotionals, right? And what that consisted of was reading my Bible and then uh, summarizing it and then talking about an application, how am I going to apply it to my life, and write it out on a page or two every single day. And I was like, oh, my goodness. This is like homework. And so every single week at Bible study, he would come and he would check my notebook, my devotionals. He'd be like, how did you do, Ronnie? And I'd be like, uh, I didn't do them this week. It was, I dreaded it. It was so boring. But he said, you know what? If you want to grow in your relationship with God, right, you surrendered your life to Christ, right, you made that first step, but it doesn't end there. It's just the beginning. And so if you want to continue to grow in your relationship with God and Christ, you need to spend time with him every day. You need to spend time with him every day. And so I had to learn that the hard way. I began to do my devotionals, began to be, you know, two days, three days. Then I began to be more consistent with it. And I continued to grow in my relationship with Christ. And I have not arrived by no means, right? I'm not where I want to be, but praise God, I'm not where I used to be eight years ago. Amen? Amen? Amen. And so that is the first step is we have to meet with God. It starts with Jesus Christ. And as you're listening to me this morning, understand this, is that no matter where you are in your relationship with Christ, some of you may know Jesus and walk with Jesus for 20 years. Some of you may be sitting here and you have no idea who Jesus is. It doesn't matter. God wants to take you from where you are to where he wants you to be. Okay? We all have to grow. We all have to continue to grow no matter where we are, no matter how long we've been running this race. It could be 50, 60 years you've been a Christian. It does not matter. You have to continue to grow. And so we will apply all of these seven steps here. Look in your, look in your pamphlet in, verse, in step number one. And it says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 6, John says that no one who abides in him, Jesus Christ, keeps on sinning. Right? So our, our old life is gone, right? So we have to meet with God. We have to abide with God. We have to, to, to meet with him every single day. And it's when we do that that he changes our lives, right? As we abide with Christ, we don't keep on sinning, right? So my, my Bible study leader is trying to tell me, Ronnie, if you spend time with God every day, if you fix daily time with God, then you will grow, right? Then your life will change, right? Then you'll be free from, not free from temptation, but you'll be able to resist temptation and all these different things. You'll see God grow you exponentially, but you have to fix time with God every single day. He tried to get me, and he banged it in my head, and I finally got it. And I'm not perfect, but I finally understood that I need it. This is where it starts and where we're going to grow. We have to fix daily our time with God. We have to abide with Christ. It says all over 1 John and it says all over John, abide with Christ, abide with Christ, abide with Christ. So it starts there with Jesus Christ, fixing daily our time with with Jesus. But it doesn't end there. And you'll see as we talk about these seven steps, they're all right in order. They all go right in line with each other. So we first fix our time with God, we set an appointment with God, we meet him, and then what do we do there? The second thing is this, we fill our mind with scripture. Right, we got to open up the Bible. We got to read it. We got to see what it says. And some of you maybe struggle with this one, right? You maybe you pray a lot, maybe you you listen to a lot of worship music, but you don't read the Bible. And God says, you have to open up my Word and read it. That's how I talk, right? This word, the, my my Word is finished. So if you don't open it up, you're not going to have any new revelation for me because there is no new revelation. We have to open it up. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and john and so we have to hear the words of the lord and that's when we open up the bible and see what it says we have to fill our mind with scriptures so we have to read the bible but it doesn't stop there we read the bible but then we fill our mind with scriptures but then we also memorize scripture right and this is so important we're gonna hear. we're gonna on the slides behind us there's a quote from chuck swindoll he's a pastor very 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 accomplished christian leader in the christian community and he wrote this book and he says this i know of no other single practice in the christian life more rewarding practically speaking than memorizing scripture he places such high value on the memorizing of scripture not just reading god's word but memorizing what the bible says then he says this no other exercise pays greater dividends and then follow me with the rest, through the rest of this quote, and look how he says that memorizing scripture affects so many different aspects of our life. He says that your prayer will be strengthened. Your witnessing will be sharper and much more effective. Your attitudes and outlook will begin to change. Your mind will become more alert and observant. Your confidence and assurance will be enhanced. And finally, he says your faith will be solidified. He says that when we take time to to memorize scriptures, it affects so many different aspects of our life. Our faith, right, our outlook, our mind, so many different areas, right? And then ultimately, when we do that, it has an outpouring, right? We can resist temptation because we resist the devil with the word of God. We're going to look at it a little bit later when we talk about resisting temptation. But look at this passage here. Look at this verse here. It says, In Psalm 119, David says that I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. And so when we store up the word of God in our heart, when we memorize scripture, when it's in our mind and in our hearts, it has an outpouring. Because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And the the reverse is true. What comes out of your mouth is what was in your heart. So if we want the word of God to come out of our mouth, and we got to put the word of God in our hearts and in our minds. We have to fill our mind with scriptures, and we have to memorize Scripture. Right? It is so important. Even Paul, who's a pastor, is talking to his uh, a fellow pastor, a younger guy, by the name of Timothy, his son in the faith, and he has these encouraging words for Timothy. He says, "Timothy, I want you to do this. I want you to do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth." Okay, so when we come to God, we don't have a reason to be ashamed if we handle the word of God the right way, right? We have to store that word of God in our hearts that we may not sin against God. We have to fill our mind with scripture because if we memorize this scripture, memorizing passages, it has such a great outpouring. And it it reflects in so many different areas of our life. It's going to come all out of our mouth. And we won't be able to stop talking about Jesus because our witnessing will be better right so many different areas and so first we have to fix our daily time with Jesus and then we have to fill our mind with scripture but it doesn't stop there from there we need to focus on the goal and I put in parentheses here not the habit (laughs) right and if we know we all have different backgrounds we all come from different places right different sin different hurts different habits different hangups. we all have our own past our own experiences And we have done wrong in so many different areas. Everyone has different experiences. But we have created these habits by sinning and by disobeying God consistently. And psychologists psychologist says that it takes 21 days of doing something consecutively to form a habit. Right? And we know that sometimes we do this stuff without even thinking about it. Right? We've been there before. Like, man, why can't I shake this? Right? Because it, it has formed a habit inside of us. A habit of doing wrong sometimes, but the opposite is also true. And so sometimes we focus on the negative so much. I don't want to sin. 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 And in return, we end up sinning. We're giving so much brain power and thought in our minds to not doing the wrong thing that we end up doing the wrong thing. So I say here, don't focus on the habit. Focus on the goal. Don't focus on the negative and not doing the negative. Focus on the goal. Where do you want to go? What do you want to see Jesus accomplish in your life, right? What is the goal? And focus on the positive and not the negative. And in turn, what you'll do is you'll read the Bible. You'll pray. You'll examine yourself, right? You'll spend that daily time with God and you'll end up forming new habits. Hello. You do the right thing long enough and you'll create a new habit but you don't focus on the habit, the bad, the negative energy. Paul even talks about this because Paul has a testimony himself. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was uh, was a Jew and he used to kill people who were Christian. And he believed that it was the right thing. He believed that it was pleasing to God. And he said, you know what? If there are people following the way, you know what? I'm gonna exercise a decree or a document that says we can kill these people, right? Obviously that's horrible. But we know, some of us know that, that Paul had an experience, an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, and it was from that moment that Jesus changed his life from that day forward. He didn't kill Christians. He teamed up with them. He helped them. He wrote almost one-third of the books in the New Testament. Almost one-half, sorry. This guy is amazing. and God, He began to be a church He became a leader in the Christian community. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, and later thousands of people end up surrendering their life, to Jesus Christ as a result of Paul. So people are looking at Paul and saying, man, God has done some incredible things through you, considering where you come from. But Paul says, hold up. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, Paul says, I have not arrived. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And he says, brothers and sisters, You want to be politically correct? He says, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do do, this is what I do. I forget about what lies behind, and I strain forward to what lies ahead. And I press toward the goal, right? Focus on the goal. I press forward toward the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. He says, yes, I have a past. Yes, I did wrong, but I don't focus on those. And let me tell you something. He's telling his church, he says, I have not arrived. I'm just getting warmed up. I just stay focused on God, right? And I say the same thing in my life. I got saved eight years ago, and I look at the incredible work that, that God has done, and I'm saying, wow, God is so faithful, and he's did these incredible things through me. But I have not yet arrived. I have not obtained perfection, right? I am not even close to where God wants me to be, but I praise God that I'm not where I used to be. Amen. Some of you live that, right? You're not where you used to be, but you have not arrived either. So I encourage you to continue to press toward the upward call of Christ. Continue to focus on the goal, right? It's such a crucial step in not only growing, but healing, as we talk about in this series. Forget about the addiction, right, the slavery, the, the, the depression, whatever it is, everyone's got different hurts habits and hangups, forget about that and don't focus on that. Focus on where you're going, right? We ain't looking in the rearview mirror, we're driving forward. Focus on Jesus Christ and focus on the goal, not the habit. But we know when we do that, we do fail sometimes, right? It's not perfect, right? Life is not a box of chocolates, right? It's not roses. Trees are not made out of cotton candy. This is the real world. We will fail. We will fail. But it's what we do when we fail that changes everything. Will we continue to choose to grow? Step number four, when we fail, we face and forsake our failures quickly. We do fail. We do sin. We do mess up. That's a reality, right? But praise God that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Amen? Romans 8. Praise God that God doesn't want us to sit there. But some of us, we sit there because Satan, the accuser, wants to accuse us. He wants us to sit there. He wants us to sit in our rut. He wants us to sit in our muck. He wants us to sit in our sin. And he wants to blame us. And he wants to point fingers at us and say, you are so horrible. God can never use you. I knew you would never amount to anything. But that is so not true. That is so not true. You are not your mistake. I am not my mistakes. Say it with me. I am not my mistakes. I am not my mistakes. Some of you needed to hear that this morning. Because yes, we make mistakes, but we are not defined by them. They are not us. So when we make those mistakes and when we fail and we mess up because it happens, we have to choose to continue to grow. We face our mistakes. We face our failures and we say, yes, I did mess up. Yes, I was wrong. Yes, I regressed a little bit. But I'm not staying here because God's got me on a journey. Right? I face my failures and I admit to them and then I forsake them. Then I forsake them. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says this. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes, there's that word again, he who forsakes them will obtain mercy. So when we're in our mess, we're in our sin, we don't want to conceal it. We don't want to stay there and try to hide that wrong. We want to say, you know what? I messed up, but I'm moving forward. We want to face our failures, but then we want to forsake them and keep pressing forward toward the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, right? So sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we mess up. It happens. This is the real world. And we know that even as we obtain victory in this life, in this race, temptation is going to come back, ain't it? Temptation is going to come back, ain't it? We will be tempted again, right? Like I said, this is the real world. We will be tempted again, but what do we do in the midst and when we face temptation? Step number five, we flee temptation, but we do not fear it. Satan is the tempter. It's one of his names amongst many, the father of lies, and the accuser, all those things prince of the power of the air he wants to tempt us and he's been tempting people since the beginning of the age adam and eve tempted jesus christ himself and he tempts us almost every single day tempts me almost every single day but we are not to be afraid of temptation there's nothing wrong with temptation temptation is not sin understand that Temptation is actually important because it's in the midst of temptation. It's in the midst of being in the Garden of Eden and being tempted with the tree that we say no to that tree and we say no to the temptation and we say no to the tempter himself and we say yes to Jesus. It's important because if there was no temptation, how would love be true? How would we have a choice? How do we choose Jesus Christ? How would he know that we love him? Unless we say no to some things and yes to others. But we don't run towards temptation, not by any means. Let's not be ridiculous. We, it happens. When it happens, we flee from it, right? We say no to it. We resist it. We keep battling. We don't give in to it. We're not afraid of it because it's going to come. I remember when I had got saved, God had uh, removed me from some of my friends, removed me from some of my environments, right? from the parties from a lot of the lust from a lot of my friends that were negative influences on me. He removed me from those things and it was in that season that he pruned me. He allowed me to grow, he allowed me to be more like him to the point where when I returned to my friends, I was then the influencer. You hear me? I was the person that was above the influence. I was telling my friends Jesus is amazing and I was saying no to temptation. Those things were no longer necessarily a temptation to me anymore, right? I wasn't enslaved to the same things anymore. But I didn't run from it, right? So I could be at a party and not drink. I could be at a party and not do this, that, and the third, right? I resisted it. The battle was never over, so don't think that it is, please. But we have to continue to fight because Satan just wants us to give in and say you are worth nothing. You're worth nothing. So continue to fight. James tells his people in chapter 4, verse 3 of the book of James, he says, submit yourselves to God, first of all. And then from that point, I want you to resist the devil. And he will resist you right? Philippians even says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you, right? So we have to say yes to God, but we also have to say no to some other things. We have to continue to fight. James says, resist the devil, and he w- he's going to flee. He will flee from you, but he will be back again. <laughs> he will be back again, and this is a long journey of growth. It's going to happen continually. It has to happen, and we have to choose growth almost every single day, Almost every single day, and some of us have to choose to flee from temptation every single day. And Satan, who is the tempter, who is the accuser, tries to get us alone sometimes. He wants us to be idle. He wants us to to be by ourselves at our weakest point and tempt us with the things that, and entice us with the things that we lust for and the things that we truly want. Some of you guys need to know that this morning. We are only tempted by the things that we are enticed by. You're only tempted by the stuff you want, right? But we are not to be alone, and that moves us right to point number six, which is we have to form a support group. In the midst of this temptation, in the midst of this growth, in the midst of life's healing choices, as we continue to grow from where we are to where God wants us to be, please understand this, is that we can't do it alone. We have to surround ourselves with like-minded people, with people who are running this race right with us, right? With fellow brothers, with fellow sisters, with the people of our church, people in community groups, right, celebrate recovery, all these things. We need that band of brotherhood because there is so much strength in numbers. Some of you guys know when you have had this experience where you're being tempted. And you just text your friend or you call your friend and say, can you please pray for me? I need your prayer. I need your support. And that helps so much. Working out, same thing. Sometimes it helps, especially when we get unmotivated to surround ourselves with people who are running the race with us. And our life with Christ and our walk with Christ is no different. Right? We need our family. We need our friends. We need relationship because we were not meant to do this thing alone not by any means it was when Eve and Adam were alone that Satan was whispering in their ear hey God didn't say that you surely will not die right so we need to be in a community of people we're going to hear the story of one of our fellow church members one of our family members Steve Baez And he's going to tell his story about how he needed people. He needed brothers and sisters, and he needed to form a support group. And it was from that that God healed him. He needed to finally break every chain, right? He needed to be free, free, and he needed to be healed. And so he needed people that were walking with him. He needed to form a support group. Listen to his story. Give Steve a round of applause.
0: My story begins uh, back in 1969, I was born in Los Banos, California. Well, when I was younger, I was exposed to lots of uh, drug and alcohol abuse within my own family, and I saw the devastation firsthand. And although I experimented, I just uh, swore to myself that I would never allow this to take hold of me. I got to be a little bit older. Baseball became a big part of my life because it was a way for me to escape. When I was out there on the ball field, I felt um, like I was just on my own. Uh, I wasn't thinking about anything. That became my identity. My first year of college, uh, I was 19 years old, and I injured my ankle very bad. Um, I had to have lateral reconstructive surgery, and I tried to come back and play after physical therapy and. They said, no, it's just not strong enough, Um, and I was devastated. started using um, prescription pain pills that weren't prescribed to me just to deal with the aches and pains of playing ball, and never really thought anything of it Um, until uh, 2004. um, I was diagnosed with cancer. Up until that point, my grandfather was the only person um, that I had lost that I was close to and he died of cancer and I saw it take him slowly and painfully. When I heard my name and cancer, um, I was just, it was a death sentence in my mind. I went through uh, surgery uh, to remove the tumors and I went through radiation treatment, but also through that point in dealing with the... um, with the pain they prescribed me my own pain medication and this was very high strength morphine um, and then uh, other, um, so many I can't even remember. But basically, these pills that were pre- being prescribed to me, I started doubling up and tripling up, and and getting them from multiple doctors. And um, then um, mixing them with alcohol, which it said clearly not uh, not to do. That uh, became a way of life for me. Essentially, it became my only focus. I had to maintain through the grace of God. My uncle Rick, who um, had been through. Um, problems of his own with drugs and alcohol, uh, recognized that I was dealing with some issues, and he asked if I was okay, and I didn't answer him, and he knew I wasn't. He could tell I had the shakes, and and I was really in bad shape, and he told me that uh, he had been in recovery for a few years, and how the Lord had blessed him with supportive people, and his eyes just lit up, and that right there is where... um, you know my my redemption begins. I, I remember writing home uh, that day from Tracy coming home and actually uh, for the first time praying you know for God to to, um, to help me. gave me the courage um, to call for some um, some outside help. I ended up attending a outpatient treatment program for sixty days and I was able to get clean, get back on track, return to work and I did not understand why I was still so miserable. Um, And I can now see that there was a very integral uh, component in my recovery, and and that was the Lord. You know, through the grace of God, again, uh, God spoke to me through another individual who ended up becoming my sponsor and bringing me to my first Celebrate Recovery meeting. I started attending Celebrate Recovery. That was uh, something that really softened my heart enough that when i was invited to attend church for the first time i attended and i i felt fairly comfortable because there were some familiar faces yes. now through my men's study group i've been able to connect with other strong christian brothers and through the connections we've established and really exposing who we are um, exposing our struggles and our weaknesses um... That's where a true transformation has taken place, not only in myself, but the men that, that have taken part in that exercise. And, and we've bonded, and we've been able to see that even if we expose um, some of these difficult parts of our life, we're still worthy of being called a friend or a brother. Through other people, the Lord reached down and, and lifted me up, and I was always just of the mindset that I could climb out of this myself. I was, I was strong enough to, to make it to the top. And um, you know, it was humbling to know that, um, that there were people that were willing to get their hands dirty and, um, and reach down there.
1: Steve said, I, I can't do this alone. I reached a certain point point I realized I can't do this by myself. He said, I needed my men's prayer group. Were you listening? He said, I needed to celebrate recovery. He said, I needed that church family. He knew he knew that he could not do this by himself. Right? Even in Hebrews, they're talking about how there's people around and, and in this church they were not meeting together because they didn't understand the value of their community. And the writer of Hebrews says this in chapter 10, verse 25. He says, Do not forsake or neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some, see some people ain't even meeting together, but encourage one another. All the more as you see the day of the Lord is drawing near, said Jesus is coming back. So we don't know how long we're going to have to meet with each other. So we know that it's so important that we do that and we encourage one another. Paul even talks to the Corinthian church, and he says, you know what? You guys are are facing so much tribulation and so much trial, so we need to pray for each other, right? God will get us through this, but we need to be there for each other. We need to pray for each other and pray with each other, and they did those things. This stuff is not complicated. These seven steps are not complicated. But they are very costly. They do require us to give up some things. Some of you have to wrestle with God and figure out what it is. What do you need to do to make sure that you continue growing? But you can't do it by yourself. And that brings us all the way to the last point. It starts with Jesus, and amen that it ends with Jesus. Step number seven says we follow Christ to the finish. We keep running this race no matter what. Right. It's not about how you start. It's about how you what? Finish. It's about how you finish. Some of you in this room have, have had a great start in life. Right. You were raised by Christian parents. You were involved in the youth group, but you had to have your season of running away from God. Right. It's important that you finish well. Some of you, like myself, didn't have a good start, but I'm trying to finish well. Right? No matter where you are in your step and in, in your growth process, you need to get from where you are to where Jesus wants you to be. And you gotta keep growing. You gotta follow Jesus Christ to the finish because someone told me this one time that your credibility, sorry, your consistency is your credibility. How consistent you are is your credibility. If you say that you, you lift weights and you work out hard but you're never at the gym, you're not credible. Hello. If you say that you're a Christian, the same thing applies. But you don't walk with the Lord, but you don't spend time with God, right? But you're not in the scriptures. You're not examining yourself, and you're not praying, right? The growth choice. You're not doing those things. You're not credible. You say that you love Jesus, but you don't ever tell your coworkers about him. You're not credible. It's so important that we follow Jesus Christ to the finish because the souls and the lives of other people are dependent on us right you've heard the saying that for some people you are the only Bible that they will ever read it's true it's true so they're hearing the Word of God and their salvation is dependent on you it's dependent on your consistency it's dependent on you following Jesus Christ to the very finish and this thing is a marathon right Paul, going back to the Apostle Paul, I love his relationship with his son in the faith, with his fellow pastor, with this young guy, Timothy. Paul is about to die, and he has some final words to say to Timothy. And if you know anything about people being on their deathbed, if they say, I have something to tell you, you better listen. Right? One of the last things Jesus said before he ascended to heaven was the Great Commission. So Paul says, I know that I'm about to die, but I got something to tell you. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 look at this Paul says I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus right right before God I charge you I command you I urge you Jesus Christ who is the judge who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom this is what I want you to do Timothy preach the word be ready in and out of season. I want you to reprove, reprove. I want you to rebuke. I want you to exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people, listen Timothy, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But they will have itchy ears, and they will accumulate for themselves teachers who suit their own passions. And they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. The time is coming, Timothy, where people are going to want to do their own thing. They're not going to want to stick to the book and stick to sound doctrine. They have itchy ears. They want to go to churches and they want to go to pastors that suit their needs. Oh, I don't like that worship music. Right? Well, he preaches too hard. I don't like that. He wants me to change my life. I don't like that. Paul says, Timothy. Let's move forward. This is what I want you to do. As for you, remain sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I am about to die. I am going towards the end of my rope. But you know what? I have no regrets because I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. One last thing. It is because I have fought the good fight, it is because I have finished the race, that therefore, or henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, though, Timothy, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Look, Timothy, the time is coming where people will do whatever they want to do. Right? Right? People are going to go seek pastors. People are not going to love sound doctrine. But you better keep preaching that book, Timothy, because this is all you got. Because this is all you have to stand on. Timothy, I have ran this race well. Look at my life and follow it. I'm getting a crown from Jesus Christ because I have fought the good fight. Watch my life, Timothy. Watch my life and emulate it. Timothy, finish well. Timothy the question isn't are you going to be remembered the question is how are you going to be remembered they will remember you but what are they going to say about you are they going to say man you told everybody about Jesus that you possibly could Are they going to say that you went out and made disciples, that you were a disciple-making disciple, that you preached the gospel, and you made disciples in every single nation, and that you baptized people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that you taught people to observe everything that Jesus has taught you? Timothy, teach people everything that I have taught you and finish well. Right? The question for you this morning is, will you continue to grow until you go? question for you this morning is will you continue to make the growth choice you don't just make it today but you make it tomorrow you make it the next day you make it the next day you make it the next day will you continue to grow and do whatever it takes to grow in your relationship with christ no matter where you are will you commit to allowing jesus to take you from right where you are to where he wants you to be Some of you in this room don't have any idea who Jesus Christ is. Now's your day. Some of you in this room are getting sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired. Some of you are sick and tired of doing this thing on your own and running this race on your own. Today's your day where you can just drop it all off. Today's the day where you can depend on Jesus to break every single chain in your life. We're all dealing with different hurts, habits, and hangups. Today is the day you can drop them off at the altar of Jesus Christ. And if you don't know him, you can surrender your life to him for the very first time. Bow your hands. For those of you in this room that don't know Jesus Christ, today can be your day. To say yes to him, to say no to yourself for the very first time. If you want to do that, raise your hand. Lift it up high. Amen. Lift it up. Keep it up. If you want to say yes to Jesus for the very first time and you are tired of doing this thing on your own, lift it up. Lift it up. Don't be scared. Amen. Christians, open your eyes. Look at me. Will you continue to grow until you go? Will you continue to make the growth choice? question poses for you also. If the answer is yes, raise your hand. Raise it up loud. Don't be scared. Raise it up. Look around. Look around. Look at all your family, all your friends who are saying, yes, I want to grow. Keep it up. Come on. Let's stop talking about it. Let's be about it. Amen. Let's go out and change the world. Starts here, and today we decided to grow. We decided to grow. Let's decide again tomorrow. Let's decide again tomorrow. Let's continue to grow until we go. Amen? Praise God for what He's doing.
0: Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.